Welcome to another edition of the Art of Relationships podcast. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohoff. And uh, we're just excited to be here and be able to visit with you today. We're going to talk about a number of different issues that impact us in, in all areas relationships. And one of those, Tim, is in the area of parenting. That's um, right. Relationships are hard enough, uh, but you add another person into the mix and uh, or two or three or however many, and all of a sudden now... What was uh, manageable uh, <laughs> is now almost to a point where it becomes chaotic, difficult for some, and and others navigate it pretty well. But in general, parenting is it can be really hard. So it's a big topic. Let's take a couple of specific yeah. things and dive into this. And there might be a number of podcasts on this topic. Uh, but you have some thoughts for us today on parenting. Yeah, I, I think it's the angst that is produced when you're having young kids. And yeah. the question we get at the center is, am I doing this right? Yeah. And the fear is that I'm not doing it right. And it's going to have lasting implications. Chris, have you ever seen the movie Parenthood with Steve Martin? Oh, yeah. A long Do you time remember ago. that movie? Uh, yeah. There's a great scene that my wife and I, uh, Noreen, always think about. Steve Martin is a baseball coach. His mm -hmm. son does not want to play right field. He makes him play right field. So the kid is out there. And sure enough, bases loaded, two outs. The pop fly is hit to this kid. If he catches it, the game is over. They win. If he drops it, they lose run score. So as the ball is up in the air, Steve Martin, you see him imagining two different outcomes. Mm. One, the kid catches the ball. And now he envisions he's graduating Val Victorian from his college. And he says, you know, I want to thank my dad in the audience. He made me play right field. And it made me the man I am today. But then he also envisions the son dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. And now he envisions his son on a college campus up in a bell tower with a high-powered rifle <laughs> shooting people yelling, I never wanted to play right field. And Noreen and I laugh about that because isn't that true about parenting? You mm -hmm. think, oh man, was that too much? Mm -hmm. Was that not enough? And, and, and we know that parents really do make a big difference in the lives of kids and set them on certain trajectories. Right. So we get the angst, both of us do, but the cool thing about this uh, Center for Marriage and Relationships is that we're an academic center, so we like to mm -hmm. take a look at studies. So we thought it would be fun to take a look at a classic study that was done in the 1950s by two Harvard-trained uh, researchers named Sheldon and Eleanor Gluck, and they developed a test that proved to be 90% accurate to determine whether or not five or six-year-olds would become delinquents, mm. okay? Now, um, this was over a 10-year period, over 1,000 cases of delinquents, and so they thought that there were four factors that you could take a look at. But unfortunately, we're out of time, so we don't have, <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have time to tell you these well, four. Well, hey, welcome to the Art Relations Podcast, <laughs> Sorry. and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, budget cuts. We're really short this <laughs> No, so obviously, maybe we obviously we've got your attention. So we thought we'd go through these. And again, this was 1950s. This has been um, revisited, challenged in some ways, but we thought it'd be a great conversation starter. So here's number one: the father's firm, fair, and consistent discipline. Mm -hmm. Boy, isn't that interesting? Those three are powerful: firm, fair, and consistent discipline. Mm -hmm. That's hard to pull off. Yeah, it is. I think what happens, Tim, in, in this early uh, study is um, they're really not necessarily uncovering, you know, anything massively new that we hadn't learned and known about. But what they did is they began to explore 
a number of children, and that was the cool thing that they did back in the yeah. 50s. They took and, tr- and watched about 500 kids, and they found out how kids different. Those that were became juvenile delinquents and those that didn't. Yeah. And one of the things that separated them out was this notion yeah. of a firmness, but also a fairness. And that's that's tough to do, I, you know, because some of us kind of lean towards one side or the other more naturally. And we've had parents like that, maybe slightly yeah. more firm, slightly more forgiving or more easy. And so it's really hard to sometimes know the balance. What do you do with parenting when you do this? And how do you navigate these things? What does it mean to you to be fair and yet also to be firm? See, this is, Chris, what I think. It, it took us by surprise, and maybe it took you guys by surprise, but Noreen and I had not been parents before. Yeah. So when that child comes, that first child comes, I mean, there are just certain things you've not necessarily thought about. And so now you're thinking about, hey, what is our parenting philosophy? Yeah. And what if uh, you and your spouse aren't on the same page? Right. So, so again, I want to point out that the Glucks were not Christians, Mm -hmm. but the Bible has a lot to say about this. Consider what Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And if you read uh, some commentaries, one theologian said this, by provoking a child, he wrote, it's a repeated ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up a deep-seated anger and resentment that boils over into outward hostility. So, I think... Whatever your strategy is, is it needs to be consistent mm-hmm. and fair and predictable. Yeah. A, a lot of child psychologists say the kids need to know what are the parameters, what are the rules, and these rules cannot be sometimes enforced and then sometimes just bypassed. So a lot of parents kind of, unfortunately, we, do, we figure it out as we go, yeah. right? It's like, hey, we're making this up literally as we're doing it. That's why at Family Life Marriage Conferences, when they had the parenting conferences, we would encourage parents to actually take time to go out and develop those rules. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a good time to do that probably would be, you know, when you're pregnant with your first child. Mm-hmm. Again, it'll all be theory, right, mm-hmm. at that point. But to say, okay, what... what um, Constitu- well, what will be our primary way of disciplining? Yeah. Will it be, and again, we can talk about these in future podcasts. Will it be a timeout mm-hmm. version? Mm-hmm. Will it be spanking? What role mm-hmm. will spanking play? Mm-hmm. But again, to say, okay, what do we do in this situation and what will be our general rule so that we're on the same page? Yeah, I think, Tim, one of the things that we also learned was um, actually practicing this by volunteering, uh, you know, like in a church nursery or, or oh. being around, you know, together <laughs> yeah. when yeah. you have kids there and then yeah. watching and figuring out, you know what, you're really good at this or, you know what, I get really stressed out or, and I think sometimes just th- there might be even children, you know, you can borrow and practice with, <laughs> you know, you f- <laughs> find them somewhere, but just figure out. No. And you know that, right? I mean, most of us know I'm just not comfortable around young children or I am at a certain age and my wife and I yeah. realized right away there each of us had certain tendencies and likes and dislikes when it came yeah. to discipline, but also when it came to what we were comfortable <laughs> with. And so we just adapted that way. You know, you were talking uh, also about uh, punishment and and being fair and consistent, and this study showing it is a very important thing. I, you know, for us in the field of psychology, 
When we look at things like discipline and punishment, those are the topics and the words that come to the top. If you want to be most effective as a parent in this, yeah. it's always th- these words come into play. Do it immediately. That mm-hmm. immediate means it's not like you react in anger right away. It just simply means you don't wait when a child misbehaves or does something. You don't wait for six hours and say, wait until mom gets home or wait until yeah. dad finds out. You do it and you deal with it right then. But you also do it consistently. Every time they kick, every time they are aggressive out towards somebody else, you are consistent yeah. in disciplining. I think that's what the fair and consistent side means. And then it's also this notion of explaining and talking, and we'll get into that one a little bit, helping the kid understand what it means. Yeah. And, and then also we'll talk about how to be strong in punishment, but not severe, and but to make it, you know. So. I remember when Noreen was pregnant, she bought a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Yep. Remember that book? Oh, yeah, it's a great book. So I think it'd be good to grab a book on parenting, yeah. a book on discipline, and just to sit and read it together. Now, that may not be the version that you adopt. Mm-hmm. You might modify what you read. Yeah. But it's good to have something to work off of. Remember the show Super Nanny? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that show? Uh, man, we wanted to hire this woman in a heartbeat in the Milhoff household. But Super Nanny would come into your house. And again, it was often a chaotic, crazy house. But she would come in. And the first thing she would do is establish two things in every house. One, she would have a chart that she would actually put up on the refrigerator that the kids actually could look at the chart and know what to expect if you didn't clean your room, yeah. Yeah. what to expect if yeah. you didn't if you talked back to mom and dad, yeah. if you um, kicked your sister. Yeah. Then she had the naughty room. Remember yeah. the naughty room? Um, where you would go into the naughty room. Now, yeah. that's one form of discipline is yeah. you separate the child from the activity. So you're having dinner and that child can't partake. They eat dinner a little bit later or there's a fun activity and now they're removed from the activity. So whether you adopt the n- naughty room or even the chart, I think her principle was a good one. Yeah. You ought to be able to articulate to those <clears throat> kids that they fully understand this, this, uh, this is the cause and effect. Now, there can be grace. Grace yeah. can be given. But here's the cause and effect. I think that's really good to do. Um, so the kids, there aren't any surprises. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the idea. And 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 then they know and they understand it and you explain the punishment, <laughs> right? Um, and, and it helps them kind of navigate this and you do it in a way not while you're angry. So yeah. this is a big topic, a lot of ideas Huge about one. discipline out there. So, um, so notice that they made an assumption because they're going to make another one with point number two. The first assumption was when they said the father's fair firm and consistent discipline that the father's present, mm-hmm. right? He's there in right. the house. And we know, Chris, from a lot of sad situations where that's just not the case. Kids are growing up in single-parent homes. The dad is gone. Uh, a mother is overburdened, and now mm-hmm. she has to discipline. Those of you who come from uh, blended families, you know mm-hmm. how hard this is when mm-hmm. you only get the kids um, every other week, and you're the disciplinarian, and mm-hmm. your ex just isn't. Right. I mean, that, those are hard Uh, decisions and we need a support system. Here's the uh, major assumption of the second one. The mother's supervision supervision and companionship during the day. Now, that's presupposing that the mom is going to stay home, that she's going to maybe take, you know, maternity leave for, what, four or five months, and Mm -hmm. then she's 
going back to work. Mm-hmm. This is assuming that she's in fact not going back to work. That's mm-hmm. a, now again, this is the 1950s. Mm-hmm. It would have been much more rare to have dual career families back in the 50s. But again, interesting that the mother's supervision and companionship both are happening on a daily basis. Um, you know, a, a lot of couples, just for financial reasons, they both have to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just so we're not saying, "Hey, beat yourself up over this one." But I do think the formative years, Chris, particularly from ages zero to six, mm-hmm. are hugely formative in a child's self-identity. So, if possible, uh, is it possible that uh, one spouse could stay home right. during those formative years? Right. Yeah, and. Oftentimes, uh, you know, parents uh, are unable to do this, as you know, just because of financial reasons and everything else. And maybe the key variable isn't so much that one is home. Maybe the key variable is when you are there, when you are present, that you are actually present. You're attentive, not distracted. I think their point is that you are emotionally engaged and you pay attention and you're present. And sometimes, uh, Tim, I think one of the concerns is not so much whether or not you have, you know, two parents outside working and therefore it's really when the parents are back home, they are just simply not engaged. And screens today, right? The screens of the phone, the screen that we have on our computer, the TV, wherever it is, that becomes the major problem in connecting in this emotional warmth and empathy with your child because we're just too distracted. And that becomes the issue and the problem. And James, you know, 19, 119 talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, right? And slow to become angry. But it's important that what we do is the way we become more human is by paying attention to each other, right? That shows that you care. And that's what this research was getting at. And, and, we, and again, we don't want to beat up any parents. Listen, if both of you have to work to pay the bills and put food on the table, then don't beat yourself up. You're doing exactly what you need to do. You're providing for your family. But this is where I think, you know, certain philosophers make a distinction between needs and wants. Yeah. And that's where I think every family needs to sit down, ours included, and say, okay, we're living a certain lifestyle. And are these needs or wants? Uh, we have some good friends of ours back in Raleigh, North Carolina, that Chris, their house was killing them. Mm-hmm. They lived in a great neighborhood, one of the premier neighborhoods in Raleigh. But what it took for them to keep that house was killing them. So he made the big decision that they were going to downsize. And she oh, was yeah. going to uh, go to halftime. And they, uh, he said it was embarrassing. It was hard to move from Lockmere Highlands uh, to another neighborhood because people would say to him, hey, uh, you guys knew? They said, no, we're just moving over, you know, a couple uh, neighborhoods down. And they immediately assumed that he lost his job. Yeah. But he said, no, this is killing us. So I think yeah. every family can sit down and say, hey, during these formative years, what changes can we make? And, and maybe it's still both of you are working full time, but I like what you said, Chris. Maybe these these activities we're doing are, are pulling us away and we're not in the home even when we should be in the home. Yeah, Tim, you oftentimes talk about a book called Alone Together, you know, with Dr. Uh, Sherry Turkle, who said over and over again, kids raised the same three examples of feeling hurt and not wanting to show it when their mom and dad would be on their devices instead of paying attention to them. Here's what they said. At meals, during pickup after either school or an extracurricular activity, and then during sports events. And so, 
uh, basically what happens is a lot of parents are struggling in this area. And this is where kids say they are don't feel connected. They worry about or they are distracted by this or even distressed by it. And even, you know, the research finding that about how technology diminishes just our empathy by limiting how much time and engagement we have with one another, even people in the same room, right? Yeah. And the kids feel this. Um, and, and this is one of those areas that really we need to think about. How do we maintain good attention? How do we give yeah. them what they need during that time? How do we stay present when we're present? Yeah. Right. There's a new show out. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that show? Very interesting show. It's gotten a lot of great reviews. And it's about a family who unexpectedly has triplets. Mm-hmm. And they financially, they don't have the means. So it's about a family that's really trying to make it you know, week to week, paycheck to paycheck. But they're very intentional about having all these goofy traditions yeah. that cost virtually nothing. That's yeah. kind of the point of it. And so that's the thing I think what the Glucks are trying to get at yeah. is um, let's make sure that, that that companionship is there regardless of who's giving it. Let's make sure it's there. Yeah. We could call it engaged parenting, Tim. Mm, Just yeah. engaged parenting is you, you talk and explain things to children. You respond to their questions. And you know what? That is the bedrock of you know what we call in our area this early childhood learning. Yeah. Right? And sometimes learning how to detoxify, to <laughs> unplug yeah. and do that could be one of the best things you can do. Put your set-aside time boundaries, spaces, sacred spaces. So So number one, father's firm, fair, and consistent discipline. Number two, the mother's supervision and companionship during the day. Number three, the parents demonstrated affection for each other and for the children. Yeah. I I love what James Baldwin said. Children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Yeah. So when those kids are young, we call these uh, attachment styles. So they are watching how mom and dad are attaching to each other. They're they're watching the affection that is shown uh, between parents. So the parents, um, the best thing you can do for your kids is to have a good relationship. Yeah. And you guys have done, we've pointed this out in past podcasts, but you and Elisa have just done a great job of modeling to your kids what date night looks like. Yeah. Right. You guys do that every week, right? Yeah. We try to, um, on a regular basis, have that. And it communicates both love for each other, but also our children kind of get got used to it. And they realize, wow, we like it when mom and dad do that because they, they enjoyed that seeing that we love each other That's and care huge. for each other and invest in you. And I try to show, show affection to Noreen by saying, honey, the whole house doesn't need to be clean tonight. <laughs> pace, your, pace yourself. You when, when, you, when you lift that box, use your legs. Not that you don't want to get back problems. No, I love the way you care for her and <laughs> Dude, think about it's her. Just, it's just my way of saying hello. I once gave her a, a Valentine's Day card that said, uh, on this Valentine's Day, I wanted to give you a... Uh, undying symbol of my love for you and you open the card and the remote control pops up and it says I'm giving this to you for 24 hours and at the very bottom it says this started yesterday (laughs) no but I think that's huge yeah and also things like um, working out conflict you know my parents had this bizarre idea that when they argued they'd go to a different room yeah. Like we knew they were arguing, yeah. then they went into a different room so we couldn't see it. So you never learned how they resolved it. Yeah. So I think it's good for 
parents to show their kids, hey, this is what happens when mom and dad have a disagreement. This yeah. is what forgiveness looks like. This yeah. is so they need to see mom and dad being affectionate with each other, I think is amazingly important because the kids are sponges and they're saying, okay, this is what it means to be affectionate. This is what unconditional love looks like. And again, we all blow it. We all have those bad moments where you got to go back to the kids and you got to say, hey, dad, I, I yeah. shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have um, done those things. But then notice also what they said, demonstrated affection for children. Yeah. And, and again, this is the great work that's out there today with love languages. Um, Dr. Gary Chapman has a book called Love Languages for Adults. And uh, Dr. Gregory Boyd had a, a book that we used called Love Languages for Kids. Mm -hmm. To think that each one of your kids has this love language. So we actually did this and came to find out that Michael's love language is physical touch. Jason is words of affirmation and Jeremy's is just quality time. Mm -hmm. And so to know what the sweet spot is, mm -hmm. is really important. So there's a lot of great resources to kindle your love between spouses and then also find out, you know, what is it that really speaks to your kids and fills up their uh, love tank? I think it's important. Okay, number four, and the last one. The family spending time together in activities where all participate with each other. And this, Chris, gets back to the point that you made before, that um, we had to make a really, really hard decision about travel sports. Yeah. And uh, our kids, I, I mean, I think they were good basketball players. I know you look at me and you think immediately, basketball. I know you think that. Um, and I love you for that. Um, so we got approached constantly with, hey, we want your kids to be on, on teams, mm -hmm. travel teams. And so, Chris, we did it. We did it once. Yeah. We allowed uh, our two older boys to be on travel teams. And here's what's happened. We were never in the same city anymore. Mm -hmm. We were gone. We were like... Um, the schedule on our refrigerator looked like an air traffic controller. I mean, we were never with each other anymore. And we just, so church was, you know, kind of pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, the kids are always in different tournaments and it was insanity. And we just didn't get time together with each other. Yeah. So I love what they're saying is, listen, get time together mm -hmm. and everybody participates. Now, obviously that gets harder when you've got teenagers and mm -hmm. college students. Mm -hmm. But man, make hay when those kids are young. And do family activities together. Yeah, I think, Tim, the idea, this notion of intentional time, uh, setting things up, it, it requires, uh, you know, creativity. It requires flexibility. But it really means that you have these conversations, you talk about it, and you decide together, look, we're so interested and so invested and so it's a, it's done in a thoughtful way, um, but it does take planning. And I think that's what it means. And then finding those points of connection, yeah. right? And enjoying it and celebrating the differences. You know, someone's in one sport and someone's doing a musical, you know, yeah. outreach and someone's dancing. Yeah. It's learning to connect together and make those kind of family time special and unique uh, instead of having them drive you apart. But it takes intentionality and planning. And even small things like... Like um, on Sundays after church, we just have a tradition. We've been doing it forever. And that is we just simply go to Brugger's. Yeah. You pick your egg sandwich, mm -hmm. cup of coffee, and we just – so now it's a tradition. So those kind of small things I think yeah. can work. And another thing that we try to do is um, – when one kid uh, team, let's say they made it to the finals and somebody else didn't make it to the finals, as a family, we went and supported the one child who made it to the finals. Yeah. And we just said, hey, we're go you're going to cheer on your brother and we'll have fun and mm -hmm. sit in the stands and let's watch a basketball game. Mm -hmm. That kind of – so a certain kind of intentionality I think is, is important because it only gets – 
so much more difficult the older the kids get. So, when, you know, when they're in high school, yeah. you know, they're all gone. They're yeah. driving. College is, is much more difficult. So to find those times mm-hmm. uh, when the kids are particularly young, again, that's that modeling time mm-hmm. of setting those kind of foundations for the kids, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and let, we just want to make one disclaimer. Nothing is easier than raising somebody else's kids. <laughs> That's right. And nothing's easier than doing it during a podcast. Yeah. Okay, so we understand <laughs> yeah. that everything we just said that we don't do perfectly. Right. And when you're tired and exhausted, and I mean, these are real life issues that have to be addressed. We do it in community. We don't do it by ourselves. So we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace. I love what James Dobson said. If your kids turn out good... Don't take all the credit. If they yeah. turn out bad, don't take all the blame. That's right. Yeah. No, that's good. And there's so much more on this idea, Tim, of parenting. Uh, I think we're just, you know, obviously just barely scratching the surface. So here's what I think maybe we ought to do. It's let's continue just this conversation yeah. again. Uh, we'll take some, you know, feedback from our listeners um, as well. There are a couple of questions we have outstanding, and there are just so much out there. How do you stay connected in a relationship uh, that that is important while in the midst of this chaotic yeah, time. Yep. Um, and, you know, we talk about people who need to stay in steady contact with each other. They stay on the same page um, because this is the best way uh, for you know anybody and when it comes to parenting is just that ability to to be together in this. And so one of the things let's do is is let's continue the conversation on parenting. Um, yeah, and, sounds good. Um, and we'll just go that way. So let's do this. Um, any final concluding thoughts as we deal with parenting? I think one of the things is, I think that quote from Dobson and others, you know, don't take so much credit when your children turn out well, as you said, and, and so much blame. It also means that when our kids do have a joyful or exciting thing, we celebrate that and we recognize yeah, that yep, and we do yep. it in a way that brings them understanding, yeah. brings them, you know, just that excitement and encouragement yeah. of being part of a family. And that's what models is when a parent's... Are, love each other, and they show that to their children, man, these kids thrive. And I would just add as a concluding thought, do this in community. There's nothing that helped our parenting more than being with couples that you share the season of life. So toddlers, right? Everybody's like toddlers, turning on a blender without a top. toddlers (laughs) toddlers. Well, it's great to sit down with another couple that says, okay, we're exhausted. You know, teenage years. Yep. Everybody just looks at each yep. other and shakes your head and says, yeah. teenage daughter, got it. Don't need to yeah. say another word. That's really helpful. It is. And you can learn from each other. There's yeah. different ways you can even share, you know, yeah. babysitting time and, and, you know, date night time. And you could just learn different techniques of what works for them. And yeah. each kid is different. So let's continue this topic. Um, Sounds Tim, good. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so for... Any information on um, relationship skills, on tools, on events, on things going on, come to the cmr.viola.edu uh, and check out our website. We've got blogs, uh, not only other podcasts, but we have videos, uh, events coming up that would help you as you navigate uh, just the art of relationships. So uh, I'm Chris Grace. I'm Tim Yohan. And we're just glad to have you guys with us, and we'll talk next time.